Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guests are Jen and Darren Ham, and they have a very unique story. Darren had a shared death experience with their two-year-old son, Griffin. And um, you guys just welcome to share that however you like. Yes, um, I think, um, would you mind starting? Yeah. Just to give some background information. Sure. Um, that I don't like doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'll start just so you have an idea, because without knowing Darren before all this happened, it kind of, it's hard to see the, the miracle of what did happen. So Darren and I were married a few years and we didn't have the best marriage. Things were not going well. We, Darren was a non-believer and I, we had our son at this time and I was searching for a church and I would go each weekend and he would get very agitated with me because our son was only one year old and he would cry a lot, you know, when I was gone and things. And Darren was just growing agitated, like you're chasing the invisible man here. And, you know, he, he wanted no part of that. He also had quite a temper and it was causing a lot of problems for us. He had pulled off every member of my family at one point or another. He would get in altercations for no reason. It was like walking on eggshells with Darren. So I ended up in counseling and I was, he agreed to go and we were in marriage counseling and um, the marriage counselor, after talking to both of us on and off was like, advised me to leave Darren and it was a Christian counselor. So that was, um, really disappointing for me because I was hoping to get some help. But even this guy was like, I don't know if we can help him. So at that time, I said to the counselor, I'm not going to live one day without my son. So what's our other plan? And we just kind of continued on. I continued to try to find a church and things like that. So I just like to give a little bit of background on Darren that he was um, stressed out from owning a business, very agitated, very volatile with his temper, never like physically on me or anything like that, but just altercations at any given time. When you say yeah. not one day without your son, did you mean like, because there'd be visitations? I, I thought I'm not going to leave Darren and be sharing visitation with my son, like to find a way to work this out. This was your early child. Um, we had an older son who was about 14 at the time and it's my stepson, but he lived with us primarily. And so we had him and then we had my other son who was about a year old. And, and he would try to go to church too. Yeah. And, um, if I caught him that I, it was trouble for him. Mm -hmm. I kind of banned everyone from church. Yeah, our I have son a brother that's atheist, and so I know that mentality, that mindset. Our son would try to go with his friend, like he'd stay the night there. And it got to a point where Darren wouldn't let him stay anywhere on a Saturday night because he he did not want the possibility that he'd end up going to church. So he was very, very against it, very much a non-believer. So I just like to give a little bit of background there because then what ended up happening with Darren it really puts in perspective what a change it was. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so um, Griffin was two. 
uh, when everything had happened. And he just had uh, just a simple like flu. And uh, we had taken him for treatment uh, three times in a day. Um, and the last time um, I was asleep and Jen was afraid and uh, she had taken him to the emergency room uh, when, when kind of the event happened. Um, mm -hmm. He ended up having to be flown to, um, on life flight. On a bigger hospital. Yeah, to a major hospital. And, and that, there we stayed with him for uh, four days and we kind of had hope that he was going to be okay. Uh, but our hope was dashed really on the last day. Uh, they had really pronounced him brain dead. And by law, uh, they said 12 to 24 hours, uh, they would be taking him off life support. Now, why did really this happen shocked. to him? Um, he was very healthy. He had never been sick a day in his life. He ended up getting influenza A and he got croup and croup we hadn't really dealt with croup but it was scaring me he was laboring to breathe so i just kept taking him back to the doctor like this doesn't seem right you know and they just kept assuring us croup's scary he's going to be fine they gave us steroids um and different things but he wasn't getting better and he was continuing to labor to breathe and that afternoon we took him to his pediatrician and darren almost got in an altercation there because the pediatrician was like you were just here two days ago like what's going on you know he can't breathe i said i feel like he's gonna like stop breathing and he said don't you think you're being a little melodramatic and darren like about chased him down the hall i did chase him down the hall and yeah. it was yeah, you know and so everybody just had this mentality like croup scary give him a nebulizer you have the steroids he'll be fine and then that night darren has trouble sleeping and he runs a business so it had been like 24 more hours of this and i was like this is crazy it was like 11 o'clock at night i said i'm not he's not going to bed like this like i'm just going to go back to the er which was in our town and i'm just gonna tell him i'm not leaving until he's breathing better and I didn't even wake him up because I thought, you know, they're just going to probably give me some a stronger treatment or something. And then when we got there, they said they were going to give him some IV fluids. And I don't do well with needles or anything. So I called Darren and he came. And I guess just the stress of like him laboring to breathe for so long, he ended up going into cardiac arrest when they gave him the fluids. So it was just a terrible thing. He had never been sick a day in his life. We were like, what's happening here? How, how did this happen? It just within 24 hours, everything changed. Yeah. And we were flown to a bigger hospital and they were amazing there. They were amazing, but he had gone without oxygen for quite a while. And we knew it was a possibility that he wasn't gonna be okay, but we still had a lot of hope that he was, but they came in and did the brain death exam and we knew that it was was really bad at that point so they had um he had like uh, monitors on his head and everywhere and wrapped up and they had unwrapped them i told him look i i, I can't have like every time somebody enters the room are you pulling the plug on my son uh, so they had agreed uh to a time it was 4 30 
in the afternoon when when all that happened and they had agreed to 4:30 the next day leaving him the full 24 hours um and they let us lay down with him uh because there was just too much monitoring and equipment before uh so they had stopped that and jen had laid down with him for like eight hours and i just kind of just sat in a chair just like shocked and she had got up and said um well i've i've hogged like all this time um why don't you lay down with them kind of traded places but when i laid down with them um i uh, I, I within a half an hour it was just this darkness had come over me and i i couldn't i couldn't lay down with them so I sat in a chair uh, looking at him, kind of beating myself up, like, you can't comfort your son in these last days, uh, you know, last day with him. Uh, you're going to need to toughen up. You feel like so somebody outside was saying that to you, or do you feel like that was yourself saying this? Myself, because I was always tough enough uh, for whatever situation I was in. And this was like the first time I wasn't. Uh, so I would get courage back up, strength, and I would lay down with them again. But each time uh, it would happen quicker. It, it, everything was just dark. So the last time um, I lay down with him, uh, right when I lay down, I grabbed his hand and put my hand on his head. And I looked at him and said, oh, son, I never even got to teach you how to shake hands. It was in that moment, instantaneous, that I was transported to heaven, and I was with Griffin, and uh, he, uh, he he was uh, above me at, at an angle, and he had his hand reached back, his right hand and my left hand, and we were we were traveling, and he was looking at me. It was great, and I, I couldn't uh, believe what was happening. Um, uh, every time he looked away, though, I became uh, ill. I felt ill. And then he'd look back at me, and he was just radiant and, and so happy. And I would just be raptured in that until he'd look away again. And um, the third time he, he looked away, I thought I was going to get sick, like be sick. And he, uh, I remember saying it to myself, like, this isn't the time uh, to be getting sick. This is the precious moment um, that I, I never thought would happen. Like, I wouldn't be with him again. Um, so he looked back at me and he knew my thoughts. And he said to me, you're not sick. And he kind of chuckled. And I... Uh, received that information but when he he said it to me it was like uh it was like telepathy like he spoke it into my mind so i knew um i was somewhere else like I, the communication was just perfect i'd never experienced that but i knew every shade of what it meant when he said you're not sick like i knew i was i was I knew I was in heaven and I knew I was outside of pain. And I knew the pain that we're all in here in every level, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And I was, I was outside of that. And 
and I, I just kept receiving all this information. However, uh, all I could see was blue um, and, and Griffin. Those were the only two things in my whole uh, trip that I could see. But the blue was alive and it was communicating with me. As, as we were traveling, uh, Griffin had kind of stopped communicating and the atmosphere uh, kept communicating with me. And I, I quickly, I instantly knew it was God uh, that was communicating with me and he was everywhere. He was the atmosphere and he loved me. And, and I, I remember for quite a while, I was just embracing uh, his love and, and, and understanding it uh, because it was so pure and absolute that I couldn't believe he loved me. Um, especially, you know, the story Jen told him, the kind of guy that I was. I was a, a, a bruiser type. And, and he still loved me. And um, as we were traveling, uh, the communication became more personal. And about halfway, uh, I, I, he gave me a life review on some situations that I was in. Uh, uh, that previous week, I, I had to terminate an employee um, for cause that was um, causation really in any corporation. Um, I really didn't have to think too much about it. And, and he showed me that man in this situation. Um, and what he had expected from me uh, was beyond corporate, uh, that he was in control of my life uh, where I thought I was. And I had built this great company and, and everything I had done uh, was a struggle, uh, but I would persevere through it. And I thought it was me. And I realized it was him and the people that he was bringing to my life. He brought them to me so I could love them the way he loves me and that I could, I was supposed to not be selfish, which I was selfish with them. I would just use people while they were available for, you know, for purpose, uh, but I wasn't supposed to be doing that. I was supposed to care for them and build them all up. So I, or as I was receiving the information, it was so it, I, I knew I was receiving absolute truth where it wasn't like receiving um, communication here that you could kind of debate things where the communication I had with God was absolute and it was beyond debate. And I was receiving it as that like information I didn't know. Was this uh, a voice? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, it spoke into my soul. Uh, not into my ears. Uh, it spoke directly into my being. Um, and it would fill me um, in every way. Um, it, it was just, it was, it was alive. It was alive. Um, but it was saturated because it, it was the blue um, that was communicating with me. So... I knew like selfishness and purpose. I understood like how conscience um, can work and how it can be corrupted. And I could see his ways uh, versus uh, my ways. 
uh, and 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 we we just kept traveling and Gruffin the whole time held my was holding my hand. So uh, we uh, as, as we went, I, I just kept receiving more information that was all new to me because uh, previously I, I really didn't have any experience um, with God or Scripture. I didn't know anything. I just didn't believe he existed, um, and and I didn't really care for people that did believe that. So I was just receiving all this new information until uh, we had reached this point uh, that uh, it seemed we had reached a, a destination. And Griffin um, uh, was so excited, you know, even more excited than he, he had been. Uh, he, was, he, he, he was excited for me to meet uh, Jesus and, and uh, I, but I couldn't see him. And he, I don't think he knew that I couldn't see. Um, when we were traveling, I was aware that what he's seeing must be amazing. And um, uh, until we had reached this point and he, he looked away from me, um, it, it was obvious to me that Jesus had communicated with him, uh, although I couldn't hear him. I, I believed uh, what he said was, now's the time to ask him. And when Griffin looked at me, I knew the whole purpose uh, to me being there in heaven uh, was um, Griffin had requested uh, from Jesus that he get my permission uh, to stay. <clears throat> so he, when he looked at me, he said, can I stay? And I knew I could say no, and I knew he would come back to life. and. I knew I could say yes, and that was, it was final, uh, that it would be a time before I could be with him again in heaven. So instead of yes or no, um, I said, wow, because this was just all new information to me that God is real and we live forever. And, and he's so loved. And I knew, um, the purpose, like parental purpose, was to raise your children the opposite of what I was doing, um, but to raise them uh, for their finality uh, to be uh, in heaven. And Griffin had had reached that, so uh, it, his it, his life was only two, uh, but it was complete, and it had it, it had purpose that he accomplished. So when I said, wow, it meant more than, yes, you can stay. It meant I want to go to heaven. <laughs> it meant everything. Like this whole world just opened up. And right when I said, yes, I immediately was back in the hospital. Shaking his hand with my hand on his head. And that that's my trip to heaven. So then we... Uh, had ventured forward, but I was different. I, I was changed. Instead of being weak, um, I I was strong. And I remember looking at the time, and it was three like three thirty five uh, in the morning. Uh, but instead of uh, wanting more time, I honestly was thinking, you know, uh, it it's time. It, it, it's not right for him to be plugged in. 
Um, right. So, uh, so doctors kind of came and went, and the process continued. And a uh, a, a Lutheran minister had come uh, from our town. Uh, he had uh, someone from the church uh, that knew me and my family and kept sending him. And uh, then um, they unplugged him and he presided, um, presided over that. But things were different uh, where I think kind of feel he was feeling what I was feeling like darkness and just awfulness. But because of what I had just experienced with Griffin, I was strong and uh, able to comfort the, uh, the preacher and, and all of our family that was there. It's pretty much as soon, well, I mean, it was like the middle of the night, but that early that next morning, he was completely different from who he was. And he would just, he came back, he didn't mention this, but he came back very emphatically telling us, it's all about love and relationships. Like you guys, it's all about love and relationships. And we're like, we know, you know, like we've known this and, um, but he just kept saying that, you know, it's all about love and relationships. And he was like counseling all of us on, you know, like, no, Griffin's going to be in heaven. And this is like, it's amazing. And it was definitely out of character because we had some bad experiences with the hospital, like I had shared. And I would say for the whole week that we were there, there's just chattering, like, this is not going to end well. Like, Darren's going to go after these doctors. And I, I knew it. I was like, what is this going to look like? Like, I'm going to lose my son. And I know my husband's going to probably be like, kill somebody. And then, then what? So it was just strange to see him so completely different. And he was just so at peace and like, wow, this is like, like he's in an even better place than here. And what I experienced was more real than this. You know, this is real. And we came home and it was, I think, I don't really have total recollection, but I think the next day, if, if not no more than two days, he's like, we're going to church. I need a Bible because he just had no, he says he would see like John three sixteen on these football players. He's like, what's that mean? You know, he didn't know. Like, I just have to put words with what I experienced. So yeah, I didn't have a vocabulary. Um, so everything I was, learning there uh it was all scripture and it was truth uh, so i i i was overcome with forgiveness and for for everyone um because i was so forgiven um i i knew um selflessness uh and, and that's how we're to be and the love and relationships were the two things that we take kind of with us into heaven uh, the relationships that we had made and mm -hmm. our selfless acts, uh, it was all visible. It, it was all very visible. I, I even think um, there uh, you'll be able to see uh, people's lives and, and uh, how they live them in a good way. Um, and I could see kind of treasure in heaven was, was that exactly. Um, so, uh, the, the love and relationships was really uh, the overwhelming. I, I remember talking about that for months mm -hmm. and, and it's been, that was, this was all 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so I wondered, 
I, I wonder how this is going to last. Like, is this is this temporary with me, uh, or is this like permanent? Is this a permanent change? And it ended up, you know, eleven years. It's not decreased. It's actually refined mm -hmm. uh, and it's growing strong, it's stronger and stronger um, mm -hmm. over. Yeah, he was completely different. Like his whole world was, you know, this business, the stress of the business. Everybody had to kind of walk on eggshells because he's under a lot of stress with the business, and you know. And then we leave the hospital. He comes home. He gets this Bible, and you know, we have this business, lots of our own families there, livelihood of a lot of other workers, and he just could have cared less about. I mean, he didn't. He wanted it to be sustained for the workers and everything, but he stayed home. It was at least a year and a half. He did not leave the house. He just would sit and read the Bible, and he's like, "I got to put words to what I experienced," and it was a profound change, just a complete 180. I always say, like a a Saul to Paul type experience. I mean, just like that. Yes, it was. What was that like when he first told you what he experienced? I mean, at first I didn't experience it. You know, I didn't need that miracle. He did. He was so different, but I was also grieving. You know, I didn't witness all that. And I wasn't asked, can he stay? Because it probably wouldn't have been yes you know i would have said no probably not if i saw everything but as the mother who didn't you know i was just grieving like so much that you know i'm like this is i'm thankful i'm really thankful that i don't have to worry about my husband going to murder somebody right now but it was also you know at first not long but for a while i was like is this real like you know did he kind of lose it in the, you know, like I didn't know what exactly happened. I was thankful for the change, but I didn't, you know, Darren was just the, who he was. And I thought for sure at some point, you know, he'll move past this stage of what he experienced, but no, it was just, um, we went back to see that counselor because he was the only one we knew. And this time it was grief counseling, yeah. not marriage counseling. And I remember walking in there and he was like, what? You know, he was just sad for us that this happened. But almost immediately he was like, you guys, like the divorce rate on something like this is like 80%. You guys were already. But we were like, we don't care about that now. Like that was the least of our worries. Yeah, he, you know? he would explain scripture to me. And that was what we would sit there and do. Yeah. Him and I, he would explain. Yeah, he would counsel me for years, but they would just talk about scripture. And I think that counselor was just equally as intrigued, like, wow, you know, but it was so different. And Darren would just um, sit home and read the Bible and talk about, you know, I was like, is my husband going to become a pastor? Like, I didn't know what was going to come of it. He was very, you know, um, passionate about what he experienced. And it was drastic to have him go from like, no, you don't go to church to no, we're going to church. No, this, I'm going to tell you about this. I want you guys to know this, you know, it was just so different, but it just, I can't even tell you what it was like exactly. Cause I was just in like a fog for a really long time. And I didn't have that instant forgiveness. I was angry and it was really quiet at our house without a toddler running around. So 
for me, it was just overwhelming everything, but I was thankful for that piece of it, you know, to have him be so different. It was interesting what ended up happening. Um, I inst became just raptured into the church and my son, who I didn't meant to go to church, him and I got baptized together, like right away. Yeah. And um, but as far as like friendships and relationships went, it was it was interesting where we had developed new friendships, um, and maybe half of our old friendships uh, ceased, like uh, because I became a Christian. Um, probably fifty percent of the people in my life didn't want to be around me anymore. But, over time, uh, uh, the fifty percent that stayed all converted to Christianity and became Christians. And slowly, the other fifty percent that left me, like one by one, kind of come back and become Christians. Mm -hmm. Something. Yeah, I mean, when you build friendships off fun and you know things that aren't of God, it's have a lot in common with some of the people that we had hung out with before but it was really just amazing and i thank god for the transformation in my marriage and darren's life and with our older son because it just it lasts and it's what matters and i would just watch darren you know i would almost sit back and all like wow you know here he is he just wants to tell everybody about jesus and if you didn't want to listen that didn't go well sometimes like he was very passionate about that's it that's the refining that i was talking about <laughs> i don't this story that uh, we're telling you my testimony isn't really something i share uh with people mm -hmm. uh, it's not not really something i share mm -mm. but at the time he had like one tool in his toolbox and it was a hammer and he wanted you to you know like he really couldn't understand how people didn't get it and i said well you know you didn't get it yeah. until it happened to you you know but it was just amazing to be given such a blessing in the midst of the tragedy that i could sit back and watch my husband like every second of his day is you know it, he seizes an opportunity to witness about jesus and he sort of fell into this suicide ministry and I would just watch him, you know, very busy. Once he went back to work, he has a busy job and we'd get a call at two in the morning. Somebody was suicidal. He'd go, you know, he's like, this can't wait. And so it was just a complete 180 from who Darren used to be and what his priorities were. And so that's why Did I like you guys to give have another child. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was something uh, with Griffin. Yeah. Uh, Jen was unable to get pregnant and it took seven years to have like, yeah, six years. Yeah. Uh, so there was such a range uh, from uh, Dylan, who at that time was 14 years old, um, to Griffin, who was two, uh, just taken so long. And then uh, we had decided at the same time, uh, let's try to have another child. But it was we weren't hopeful because I was older at this point. Yeah, and it and was so hard to have Griffin. We were at the point of giving up. Uh, when when that finally had happened and we had decided and it was seven months later uh, you know it took seven yeah, months yeah it was quick and, and and we actually named our daughter after a nurse who was at the hospital with us because that second hospital we were at they were just incredible and they were just 
you know, wanted to know about Griffin's life and they were there for us. I mean, our last day, this nurse that we named our daughter after, she was off that day, but she came in, you know, to be there with us that day. And just to have people like care so much when they see this, like every day, you know, working in a PICU was really impacted us and was a real blessing to us to be there. I was like, wow, look at these people are selfless. Yeah. You know, they're not what I was used to. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how did this suicide prevention come about? Oh, wow. Um, really kind of supernaturally. Um, I, it was, yeah, it was immediate when I went to get a Bible, um, which was like a day or two. Yeah. Uh, once we, we got home, uh, I saw a book, uh, I, I bought the audio a book uh, still to this day like the bible is the only book i've ever read um but uh there was an audio book there by bill weiss and it was titled 23 minutes in hell and i was just so drawn to that that wow i knew like there was it wasn't just heaven like i knew there was a counter to that uh, so i thought wow i wonder what that is like then if heaven was my feeling in heaven was a thousand times what the feeling on earth is uh, in a good way. So I thought, well, I need to get this audiobook and learn what the other place is like. And Bill Weiss uh, described uh, his experience similar to mine, but opposite. It was it was so similar um, in the feeling uh, was really a thousand times uh, the feeling on earth, but in orchards, awful ways. And I, I had just finished that book, uh, audio, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me uh, about suicide. Um, he had spoke to me, and, and and just to share with people that there's two there's two ways, there's there's two places. So He had equipped me um, for that, and then he immediately. Uh, I mean, like just in masses, not just like one or two. Uh, there's been like a lot, like like a hundred. Yeah, a lot. Um, um, and just to love them and in, in in relationship, uh, share with them the the truth that heaven is real. Was this so, word of mouth that got out that you were, were no? Not really, like people bringing people to him. It was more or less just like an intersection of like yeah, like was, an example it was like two ships crossing yeah we were um, just at the right time this is typically how it how it would go like we have these friends and we don't just pop into their house they're good friends of ours but no, we just don't pop in but we thought let's just pop in and take them some italian ice so we were driving by and we stopped and they were like oh my gosh you know thank you and this lady's on her way over her son's suicidal and you know they can't find him and all this stuff it was just like yeah they had found the suicide note and they're like oh we we're just going out to do like a search party they think he's in the woods somewhere they're like great yeah but it, he was like uh like uh 10 miles away uh from 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 their home and i was like oh no that's awful and and then uh <laughs> within like a one minute uh, there was a knock at the door and it was the mother um, of this boy and she had found him, uh, but he wouldn't come in. He was in the car and 
she said she hadn't been to these people's house in years, but she felt like she was supposed to go there. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, well, is he in the car? And she said, yeah, he won't, he won't come out of the car. Uh, so I went into the car and I got her permission and, and um, he got delivered. So was, it's just random. Yeah, it's it never probably, like somebody calling like, hey, I got this. It's usually just like happenstance. Like, you know, it's it's divine for sure. Yeah, they're always pretty divine. Yeah. Interactions. Weird just how we come about this situation. It was strange. It's got to be strange for everybody, but it, it had become not strange for me. I kind of <laughs> expect <laughs> that it's going to happen. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and, it, and it would happen. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Do you explain to them what this author explained about hell? And is that what you do? Or just kind of find out what their problem is. And uh, we just talk and I love them and kind of throw in with them and into their life. And, and the question goes one at one or two places. Usually um, I ask them, you know, uh, once you accomplish this, kind of what happens? And that they always say one or two things. Christians um, say one thing and non-Christians say another. Um, but the non-believers uh, just believe their life stops. And then I'll share just a tad bit of my experience that I believe the same thing. Uh, but here's the truth. This is what happened to me. This is the truth. Uh, heaven is real but so is hell. And what I saw uh, consequences really uh, of in heaven of, of your choice, your free will, and murdering yourself isn't, uh, that is not good, not good. So I show them, look, there's a possibility um, as a non-believer that heaven might not happen. Uh, so I, I, I had found on YouTube uh, little clips of Bill Weiss. It's just really boiled down um, of him explaining exactly what he experienced uh, from falling into the pit, uh, going into the prison and and the demons and the torture. So I play, you know, a little 10, 15, uh, 20 minute clip. Um, Normally before it's over, um, they ask, that's that's good. I, uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm good. Stop that. So, so it's not necessarily scaring them out of hell. It's, it, it, it's more, um, revealing, uh, the two destinations. Um, Have you contacted Bill? Yeah, I reached out to him just to let him know the impact that he's had on Darren. And so it, you know, that's been nice. Yeah. That was like, uh, like Mm -hmm. 11 years ago. Uh, yeah. that I've been doing this with his with his material. But Darren said he does find that most people think they're going to do that to just make it all go away. Like, and then everything just stops. And so they think that and the Christians think uh, that they can just do whatever they want and go to heaven when they die because they said the magic prayer. Um, and I'm like, yeah, Maybe, but maybe not. I'm not you know? the judge, but uh, murder is something that's very serious. Um, and murder of self is, is dark. That's yeah. very dark. I think people forget that. That is a murder. Like they would never commit murder, but well, you're killing yourself. You know, you're killing your mother's son, your, your wife's husband, you know, whoever they are. So precious to God 
that I think I don't think it's understood, maybe, uh, how precious we are, uh, and and how meaningful our lives are, not for ourselves though, for other people, and what we're supposed to be doing here. Um, that I, I see a lot of conversions. I see a lot of conversions with people that were previously suicidal. Um, and you know we've we sometimes take some heat. And so I like to say, we do believe there's mental illness and things like that. And yeah. you know, there's, we're not exactly. saying, but it's just when you speak to somebody and they believe the world just ends and you don't, mm. and you believe there's one of two places, you know, a lot of these people are void of that love. They just don't feel it. They don't believe it. And yeah. so they relate a little bit more, he says. Yeah, to, that's, that's really it. Um, that, that is it. Yeah. That they, they, they can't. Everybody, um, when somebody's sad or to the point of suicide, uh, it's, oh, just we're got to go love them, got to give them love. But they don't seem to be re receptive of that. So I just take them further um, and where they're at and show them. Um, it could be worse. That track they're on, um, how much worse it could be. Mm -hmm. uh, so then they find, hey, wait a minute. Suddenly, this awful, these all these awful problems aren't so awful, and then I can change trajectory, and that seems to change to mm -hmm. their uh, mm -hmm. their uh, point of reference. That seems to be the downside of the podcast like this, sharing near death experiences, is that we're kind of romancing the stone, you know. People start thinking, oh, I want that. I want to go have that near-death experience. I want to go to the heaven that you're talking about. And they don't realize that was their experience at that time. That's it's not going to be yours. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. You count the cost. You know, you don't want to lose your two-year-old child mm -hmm. um, to be in heaven for 30 minutes. So, um, and you know, although it's life-changing, uh, you want to be in heaven forever without suffering that kind of loss. And that's simple uh, to, it's simple to do. Mm -hmm. you, to be born again, out of your selfish nature. And he always says, you know, better it is to believe without seeing, you know, but I'm, I'm thankful I didn't, I didn't have this experience and I didn't need this experience. And I'm thankful for what God's done. And I do wish more people would have their own experience because I mean, obviously, that's sometimes like an instant thing, like, wow, but, but it doesn't always happen that way. And to, be, to believe without seeing, I represent the least uh, where my wife would represent the most um, that she didn't have to see it. Um, I, I, I did. I did. Yeah, he definitely did. And and, you know, but it's real and it's been very difficult to lose Griffin and you know, but it's not really lost though. Um, for me, it was, he was never lost. Um, I know where he is. Mm -hmm. uh, he is found. Uh, so uh, we would do things when we got back that went on for years. A after church, we would uh, uh, go graveside. And I, I uh, didn't really want to tell everyone that I don't want to be here. Like he's not there. I know where he is and he's doing great. Uh, so the grief was different for me uh, than it was for everyone else. Whereas a mom, I didn't experience what he did. And I just, 
to me, he was lost to me, not lost um, on God, Jesus, but he was lost to me. You know, I had two year old and I'm missing out on, you know, but I do, I am able now, and it took me many years past him, but I am able now to put it in perspective that I truly believe in heaven and eternity and i truly believe we'll be there and i know without a doubt griffin's there and i just look at all the lives that his little life has touched and i know i know without a doubt that without this experience my family would not have been possibly yeah, i can only imagine if you hadn't had that experience darren you know the anger of you when your child dies and then you guys marriage and you know how destructive things would god, have been for you guys yeah. no hope you know god knew it too and just anger he appeared and he appeared mm -hmm. cool. i mean to go to the doctors and they like scoff at you like why you have him back here and then he end up in shape like that i mean i mean most people be ripping the curtains off the wall you know and tearing a doctor they, apart i mean they had come to the viewing yeah, I was actually a pharmaceutical rep at the time. Well, I knew a lot of these doctors personally. And this happened at the office and it was bad and it was on my mind most of the week, you know, like, oh, this is not gonna be good. And and they came to the viewing. Yeah, yeah. And Darren just embraced them. Yeah, they like, came to me and said, you. I'm so sorry. And um I was like, Oh, you're forgiven, and hugged him, cried. And they yeah. had brought their entire office staff. Mm -hmm. And I got to hug them all and uh, forgive them all uh, on the right with my son in the casket. So, uh, and they they uh, received all that. Mm -hmm. The they ripple effects of that experience. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And we've heard of changes, you know, that have come from that. But just to see all the lives that are touched, and you know, I always envision like a homecoming up, up in heaven, and just um, that's what it will be like. That's and I always think of that, like, sometimes I tell this story, but there's this guy, he came to our Bible study, and he was dying, he was supposed to die like two years ago. And he was telling Darren about how, you know, he, he learned about Jesus through this mailman, he used to ride around the block with the mailman, and the mailman would witness Jesus to him, but the mailman had no idea the impact that he had on this kid at the time who grew up into an adult, his whole family was Christian. And, uh, you know, and I always think like when this guy Ray gets to heaven, the mailman like has no idea that he's the one who planted that seed. And so we have no idea the impact that we have on people's lives. But I look at like what happened with Griffin and the blessings that we've been given to be able to witness to other people, to plant seeds for other people. And, and I don't have to know the impact that it makes on them. I don't have to know, but we're just supposed to cast the seed, you know, and and I do notice that people do listen because, you know, like I tell my daughter, if the rich guy's like, God is so good, you know, you're like, he's good to you, you know, but to lose a child or I always tell her, like, if you're home, if the homeless guy is praising Jesus, you're like, wow, that's all he needs. You know, he doesn't particularly seem to have a lot to be thankful for yet he is. And so I like to tell our testimony because it's not easy to lose a child, but we have total faith in God and the blessings. And we know that we'll be reunited 
with Griffin and a lot of others. My, um, my father, to give an example, um, he grew up in a, uh, a vicious, like a Christian home, but it was mean and he had gotten kicked out of it. Uh, he's just a teenager and pretty much homeless. And he didn't care for Christians because that was, that was his only reference was, man, is it vicious and unloving. And uh, when this had happened uh, to Griffin and I told him what happened to me, uh, that I was, that Griffin's great and heaven is real. Uh, he started coming to church uh, with every week, man, just every yeah. week with us. And I, 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 can still visually see him singing uh jesus remember me. me too he and, would just sing that and yeah i would look over at him like wow to I, see him i know his heart i could see his heart yeah and uh it had been three years after we had lost griffin that i lost my father and okay. he had a massive heart attack and they they tried to bring him back and um, it had been an hour and 45 minutes. This is actually usually the testimony he gives. Yeah, this is what I tell because my father was an icon and he was just, he adopted me and was just what you would hope to have as a father, just strong, uh, but yet loving, uh, giving what he didn't experience and, and, uh, and was just so honest. And um, when they said it's over and, you know, your father's been dead for nearly two hours uh, and it's time to pull the plug. He came back to life and and said, I, I asked him, I was like, you know, you died, are you with Jesus? And he uh, was like, yes, and was like, yes to my he mom. Shook his head, yeah. yeah, there was a doctor, the head of cardiology and a priest there witnessing all this. And they were screaming, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. And Have they been doing said, CPR or still or? They were doing CPR for half an hour and I wouldn't leave his side. Um, and uh, I said, stop, stop, because I just I knew, you know, that that he he was a Christian. And I knew he loved and then he God. was gone two hours and then just woke up and. Uh, so uh, he 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 would kind of almost. Um, come back but then another heart attack we had 10 heart attacks in that period of time it was after that and we were saying our goodbyes yeah we were saying goodbye to him because they said look maybe three or four minutes but it's been nearly two hours and and then boom that happened and he said um the second thing he had said was you asked him. yeah he could see the prayer he could see it in heaven like visually see a prayer and i asked him um was griffin with you and jesus and he got out of bed and uh, shook his head yes like <laughs> he didn't make it through all that because the cpr was so severe uh but he came back and gave me a strong message that yeah yeah, yeah it's real it's more real than this <laughs> that is more real so and i could see it um eternity and how our lives here are just like a spark, man, just like a little flash of time. And how um, in perspective of eternity, if that's your mind, um, you can really make those hard, rough decisions that are selfless. And how the reward is 
so surpassing any reward here. Mm -hmm. And I always try to tell people that I'm always very aware that not everybody's had these blessings after such a tragedy and that people live with depression and for far less things than what we experienced, you know? And um, I always tell people that I was seeing this counselor for like two years. I was getting frustrated. Like, you know, he's not helping me. I could talk to my friend and I'm getting the same help, you know? And um, he said to me one day, he said, well, listen, he must've been sensing that, you know? And he said, listen, nothing I say is going to make what happened to you guys not terrible. It's the worst thing you could ever go through. But do you have any blessings in your life? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, what are they? And that really changed my life because I was spiraling into like, you know, just being depressed and um, work. I was a pharmaceutical rep. So I'm in these doctor's offices with these sick kids and everything was just really hard for me at the time. And he's like, you know, but because when I used to pray, it would be like a laundry list of this person has cancer, you know, this with Griffin and this and that. It was like a reminder of how bad things were in life. And he said, you need to start your prayers with Thanksgiving and you need to consciously thank God every day, multiple times a day for Absolutely. the blessings or you're going to lose them. And I really believe that. And it changed my life. It just put me on like a new uh, trajectory of hope and peace and joy. And so I like to share that because sometimes when I share with people, they haven't had the blessings that we have. And I, you know, I wish that they did, but not everybody's marriage res is restored after this. Not everybody goes on to have a child when they couldn't before. So we have been very blessed, but it's real. And that's just going to be, you know, heaven is just way better than here you know so we just you know have to kind of push through and try to support each other and love each other and my second nde when i was 25 i lost my twins i was just two months pregnant but i had two more pregnancy and um so i just operate now under gratitude because i was told in heaven the answer was no that i couldn't come back and raise my three little boys the answer was no it was my time and obviously I come back. And so I've just been filled with gratitude since because I got to come back where, you know, there's so many women that die of ectopic pregnancies and um, being able just to have that gratitude of, of being able to raise my boys. And so that's, you know, when I do my podcast, it's me giving back to God because he allowed me to come back because it was my time, you know? And so I'm here and, you guys are here. And did you have a girl or boy? It was your second child. Oh, yeah. we had a little. So that's your second child together. And then you have the other boy. We named her Elena after that nurse. That was just. Elena? Elena, yeah. Oh, it's pretty. It's been a blessing. And she no. loves you. She <laughs> prays. Yes. Uh, Jesus, and she prays. She's so like. Uh, Angelic. When she prays, she's yeah. just like she'll pray the most bizarre she, prayers. She has a um, she has a lost dog ministry. <laughs> she prays the just most bizarre prayers, and they come true. And the next day, you know, I'll say to her, "You're not going to believe this," and she's like, "Why would I not believe that? That's what we ask God for." Like she's so certain. It's just 
nice just see you know yeah. just faith of a mustard seed like she has it she she's just like well of course that's what we asked for <laughs> that's yeah. understand. and without that experience i'm sure you guys wouldn't have stayed together and had another child it sounds like we were barely together yeah. without you know and let alone with the stress of, yeah you know it's been i'm thankful because i never would have thought you know i i lost a lot with griffin and to just count my blessings every day that my marriage has been restored and i love jesus and my husband loves jesus and he's you know trying to just witness to everybody that he can it's just it's just awesome do you guys go to churches and speak or how do you do this i, I did that a couple of times i don't normally i don't really like to i don't normally uh tell we're more like just one-on-one -on -one. Yeah. like we just we kind of live in the woods and we don't <laughs> see it sometimes a lot, a lot but... of the churches weren't interested really yeah so that's what i had found the church that on that wonderful uh pastor uh the luther uh, that's all I knew. So I went to his church and definitely not interested, not at all. Um, they had me on the, they put me on the board and I served communion and everything like that. But as far as this goes, not interested. I would say they were interested, but I, I almost got the sense that people just thought we were like so grief stricken that we were like kind of crazy a little bit. Yeah. And we actually hopped around to quite a few churches. We went to a Baptist church. Um, they told me this didn't happen. Yeah, they 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 <laughs> were at our what, home for dinner and pretty much said like it was nice about it. You must it, have been sort of like things can happen when you're under such extreme extreme grief, and we're just yeah. like no. Yeah, like, they're called miracles. You <laughs> <laughs> know, like a Presbyterian, um, not Presbyterian. Well, I'd I'm, say it was like Pentecostal, almost sorta. like a mega church kind of deal. Um, they had me speak a couple of times and that went well. And mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Catholics had me speak and that went really well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Ah. yeah. Have you thought about writing a book? No, mm -hmm. I, I didn't even, you know, when I was back, it gives me goosebumps right now, actually. Um, I went to write down everything that happened because I, I forget so much of what I experienced in heaven, um, like major, major parts. Um, so I went to write everything down and it, it seemed as if God forbid me uh, to do that. So mm -hmm. I just kind of relive it. Um, but each time I tell it, it's, I, I kind of hit different pieces normally mm -hmm. um, because that's, it seems like, that's how he wants me to operate what mm -hmm. is is really just for that moment um for whatever listener needs what whatever um so different pieces come out at different mm -hmm. times and we just wholly trust god i i don't feel like we're meant to write a book or anything like that and really i don't want to say we've been like sleeping on this but it's been you know 11 years and really how this came about being uh aired and talked about recently was when all this happened i told you i was in pharmaceuticals and i was working with this doctor who was a psychiatrist and her and i were you know getting to be close she had a son around griffin's age and things like that this is a great story and she had an experience 
um, I had, I would frequently be in the office, but I wasn't in there, you know, this was going on. And she called me and said, like, is everything okay? I'm like, no, it's not okay. And I told her what was happening. And she had this vision. Um, I'm not sure if it was a dream or a vision, but with these angels surrounding seven, seven, Griffin, laying on, seven angels laying on a bed. And we got really close after this happened. And you know, I'd go visit her and we would hang out and things. And she's a wonderful Christian woman, but she's a child psychiatrist and she moves and she's one of those friends like you'll hear from and then like disappears. But she moved a couple states away and randomly she called us um, a couple months, January, I think it was. And she said that she is seeing so much just suicide in children yeah, little, where she is. Little kids doing it. That she said, you know, Jen, I just, people need hope. Like nothing is working. And she was actually talking about leaving the medical field because it was just really like taking a toll on her because they, they yeah. don't want to hear it. They didn't really want to hear about God and everybody just wants a med. And she's like, you know, like they're, but and, people and need the, hope. The meds weren't working. Um, so she felt as if it was perilous. Like what I'm doing is no longer effective mm -hmm. and it's getting so worse. She started writing um, for Epic Times, and she's like, "Can I write your story? I just want to share your yes, story with people." All that time ago, I always go back to. I it. always go back to what you experienced. It's like hopefulness, and your situation is worse than all my patients. Like mm -hmm. your situation was so much worse, um, but look at you. Like it's a, it's fantastic. What you know. And if anybody else would have called us. It probably wouldn't have went anywhere, yeah, but have, we really trust her, and she's really pure and good, and I trust yeah. her. And I said, "Yeah, we'll talk to you. We'll give you an interview." And she wrote our story, and it had like ten thousand shares, and you know nobody was expecting that. But it is nice to think that it could actually give somebody hope and to know, like, this is the truth. You know, it's our truth, and but that yeah. what he experienced, but it's real. Yeah, it went so well. Like they're even like translating it in Vietnamese, and things like that. All these different languages. But that's really the only oh. way God, yeah. you know, I trust God and I trust her and she reached out to us and and we felt very comfortable like um talking to her. And since then we've talked to just a few people and some people we feel like yeah, this is what we're supposed to do and some people we don't and but I feel like, you know, like this interview today, if it reaches one person, like that's one person, you know, one person to make a difference. One person is a lot. Yeah. No, um, I think something was said on the Lee Whitting and E radio about maybe getting into ears together and learning how to do the suicide prevention. Yeah, we did something. Uh, um, I took a lot of heat, actually. Yeah. Um, because. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like uh, universal kind of belief that everybody goes to heaven when they die. Nobody wants to hear yeah. who got who gave the heat. Uh, commenters <laughs> on the NDE radio. I would read the comments, and man, I was getting roasted. People, what they were I, trying to say there's no hell or something. Much. Nobody wants to hear about hell, and they definitely don't want to hear that everybody, you know, that there's a possibility. And I think people There's were thinking that he was in time. You're yeah. definitely going to hell if you commit suicide. But he's he said in there very clearly, like, no, we believe in mental illness and there are times, you know, but the people he's experienced, 
they believe it ceases. And that just is not true. That's you guys, true. don't take that personal. That's politics. Ions is very liberal. And they really push the reincarnation, the pre-birth plan, and all that, and that we all get to go to heaven. We all get a free ticket. We all row a boat, you know. <laughs> we all go to heaven on a rowboat. And so I, I've dealt with that. So don't take that personal against you guys. No, I don't care. I was but, just like, I'm so used to, after 11 years, mostly the church are the ones that fry me. Um, the non-believers don't seem to. You'd be surprised there's a lot of atheists in ions. <laughs> so what happened, though, from that, um, it was supposed to be like a training, but that didn't really work. But people from all over the world. Um, you were going to do a training? Yeah, I did one. Well, and what, like ISGO or something? People would reach out to us like, yeah, I'm an NDEer and I would like to do this. I mean, I don't know what, we haven't really discussed this, but I feel like it's, Everything that's happened in our life has been divine. I can tell you a story about that training. Um, this is a fantastic story. Um, although I was getting killed in the comments, mostly, um, mostly negative. Um, people were reaching out to me, like a girl uh, in Europe or England um, reached out to me suicidal. And just recently, uh, one reached out to me from Nova Scotia and she said, again, it, it happens supernaturally. Um, she had a uh, older man that was like some master artist. Um, and he was a Satanist and they would do ritual. Um, and the ultimate was suicide. And she had just been plagued with suicide. And she, uh, a couple of days ago, uh, was going to follow through with it. And in the middle of the night, she woke up to me on YouTube in that training about uh, suicide. And uh, she reached out and uh, got totally delivered, uh, totally delivered. Mm -hmm. I talked to her on the phone and, and I called like three or four days later and she goes, it's unbelievable. I've perpetually, um, perpetually, in all my waking moments, I always am thinking about suicide. And ever since that, I haven't had a single thought of it, you know, and she was converting to what's, Christianity. What's that called on YouTube, the training? The training. It was more so like Lee, after our interview on Lee Whitting, NDE Radio, yeah. he would follow up with a second interview about suicide. Oh, okay. And in his suicide ministry and things like that. I don't know if he'd agree with what I say, but I feel like what I see is I don't really think a training would work per se, because I do feel like it's not complex. Okay, so there wasn't a training. It was just that second part two of that. Totally right? different. He a, gave instances. Of instances was mostly because nothing I do is premeditated. Um, I just, like I told you, that's pretty much what the training is, was I just um, listen to what people are saying and what, what they're dealing with and, and then pose the single question, you know, what happens? And, and uh, they give one or two answers every time. And, and then I just proceed with 
with my own testimony and and um, share Bill Weiss's. Mm -hmm. So, do you yeah. like let, let them listen to part of that tape, the audio? Yeah, I do there's really good ones on uh, on YouTube, like segments that highlight Bill's experience in hell and exactly what he was experiencing. But I would say, like Darren always says, main thing is he gets a lot of suicide deliverances from people that have a very loving support system. They're being loved, they're being given this love, but they don't feel it. They can't accept that love. So, like I said, he kind of like connects to them sometimes a little easier when he talks about, if they say it just ends, when he talks about hell and gives them a preview of, it's one of two places, they can almost relate to that, you know? I would think NDEers would be great though, mm -hmm. uh, because you can describe of the love of God, which mm -hmm. is pretty undescribable, and that heaven is real, and I was there. So to have that firsthand knowledge, I would really think NDEers um, would really excel at uh, stopping horrible acts. But don't you feel without the hell component, like you need that hell component because it is one of two places. I suppose you can explain heaven. I, it talks about that in Jude um, two ways. Uh, some receive love and others get scared out of hell. I, I was just wondering if we could make something and we could put it on into ETV for suicide prevention. Like if you're think like if you're thinking about suicide, have you tell your story and um, we could get um, Weiss's the guy with bills, maybe his permission to play a clip that clip and just make something to where anybody that's feeling suicidal could click on. So that's the really the key component is is what um, Mr. Weiss is, was shown. That's really the key component, okay. and we hadn't done that. So that, maybe that I could get you and him both on, and make something. That maybe would be so. great. He's I'm not interested in like athletes, but boy, he's really something. <laughs> I mean, I could ask him if you know he and I and you we could get you got both of you i don't care i mean it, we make something and and title it you know something about suicide prevention to where somebody's contemplating they'd have something and maybe we could send it to places that, on our helpline help or something you know i don't know we could try right if you reach out to him i know darren would always yeah and i would try not to be starstruck uh with with bill <laughs> just the impact that he's made by having the courage to share what he experienced has impacted a lot of people yeah one of the pastors like i hang out with uh, pastors and priests a lot and one said darren it's unbelievable it's like maybe a minister would have maybe two his life would intersect too, but it's different because they're coming into the office. Um, he said, because he witnessed like a whole bunch of them. And he said, it's just, it's not really understandable um, how it's like, you're in like the hundreds um, of, of successful preventions. And, and it is really unbelievable. Um, but um there definitely needs to be more. And definitely needs to be more people doing it. That's what my friend was interested in, the, the psychiatrist I was telling you about, because she's like, 
she wasn't even talking to us about that, but it came up towards the end. And she's like, you know, I mean, explain it. And she said she is so smart that she said all these like scientific things boiled down to what I do. Like she said, I'm not saying that. And she's like, it's unbelievable. It's so simple, um, but genius, and only God could. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if your friend would want to be a part of the video. Maybe Make sure that it's mentally health correct. You know that we don't do anything wrong. I mean, there was even in her own practice, uh, one of the practitioners since since our talk with her yeah, two weeks after the interview. Um, you know, ended up committing suicide. And yeah, she said 14, it's like rampant. Like fourteen year old boys. You know, COVID and everybody being locked up mm-hmm. and just the increased instances. Like it's definitely out there. And any help, you know, any prevention of it, like it's it's an important thing. Yeah. So I'll get a hold of Bill. You want to get hold of your friend and maybe we could put something together. It wouldn't hurt to try, right? Well, it's according to her, uh, it's the most plagued thing right now. It's just, and she doesn't see any success with, yeah. with the methods that are being used. Yeah. Outside of this, it mm-hmm. seems like nobody's had any success. So. Where Darren we've had one instance where somebody that he's talked to ended up committing suicide yeah because this isn't um this is just this is a deliverance of that um this this isn't then uh what they need to do then after um the deliverance and only one time um but again that person was just left um just left and there were people in uh, this boy's life that um, should have followed through and took him to church. And, and he says he's he's the deliverance part. He's not the conversion no, of it, it, faith. It, no, because or... no, salvation is important. Um, and nothing happened for him. So he needed help. Yeah, nothing happened. For him. I think we need something in the schools. Mm-hmm. Or a kid comes in and says, I'm feeling suicidal. How? You know this video some material something yeah you hook them up for counseling but i mean just some starting step interesting i've seen with my own close friends who have had children that were suicidal people are like afraid for you to talk to their kid it's strange like and that's just something i don't understand because this is final you're going one of two places. We don't know where that is. We can't judge, but it's a possibility with every single person on the planet, one of two places. So it's a possibility that could be hell, but people are very afraid sometimes for you to talk to their kids. But I mean, like, you can't just. What's the Jesus component? You know, they do, you don't like Jesus. You don't want to bring somebody in that loves mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a suicidal teenager back in the 70s. Ah. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's dark. Mm-hmm. It's definitely dark. Yeah. I was uh, with a friend one night and I just something snapped and I, it was dark out. It was a gas station. She was on payphone and I just quietly walked away from her, stood in the middle of the two lane highway and semi was coming and I was like, come on faster, faster, faster. Next thing I know, she's grabbed my arm, pulls me out. I was ready. I couldn't wait for those headlights to, you know, and out of nowhere, she grabbed my arm. I don't know how she got over there that fast. 
spiritual. So I just took pills. People give me stuff. I didn't care what it was. I'd, I'd hold, I'd keep them till at night, and then I'd take them, hoping I wouldn't wake up, and then or wake up in the morning, I'll crap, still here. Yeah. I went through that for quite a while. What what I what I do is break that. I just break the deception because there's a spiritual component to all that. Mm -hmm. the, uh, many 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 most uh there is a demonic um influence mm -hmm. uh so when we do this it's it's really just bringing truth um into lies and uh shattering the darkness and the when once that deception is broken uh so is that influence so mm -hmm. yeah so okay, so um, I'll actually what I'll do is I'll send this to him. I'll send this video to him. It should be uh, ready by this evening. I'll email it to you guys as soon as it's ready, and I'll send it to him and say we talked about you and see if you have anything you want to mm -hmm. suggest. Yeah, okay. wonderful. Yeah, that I could, hope he gets back to you. Because yeah, that would be good. And he's so eloquent. So mm -hmm. not not like me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you guys. Thank you. Uh-huh.